Well, hi there from Mark Penrith along this morning with Andrew Butterworth uh, to everyone who is listening in on Radio Pulpit and Radio Cape Pulpit. It is good to be with you this Friday. Love um, love Fridays, uh, love the end of the working week and love being on the show. Really enjoy conversations with people all over the country talking about stuff that really matters. Uh, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This morning a really great show ahead. I have no doubt. I'm here with a friend. Uh, as I said, Andrew, uh, who is a pastor in the same city as I am, and we are talking about a really relevant topic. Um, how we together, um, God's people um, at the place that he has put us, uh, can capture cities um, to the glory of God. We're talking on cityology, uh, the doctrine of cities, and reaching out to the cities in which we live. Uh, this morning we're also going to be speaking uh, to Michael Swain. Michael is the executive director of 4SA. He studied law abroad. He's been successful in business. He also co-founded the His People Every Nation Church Movement in South Africa. Um, and over the last number of months, um, Michael has been bringing to us the discussions, the ongoing rolling discussions um, between uh, the organization which he represents, 4SA, which in turn represents um, the bodies of churches all over South Africa. Uh, and the state and so this morning we're going to talk about a number of cases that are currently in the news currently um our current affairs michael it's good to have you with us brother good morning great to be with you and 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 you know even as we even as we greet we we are in a cold johannesburg i'm hoping you're in a warm sunny blue sky cape town with a little bit of a, a rolling curtain coming over the mountain tabletop coming over the mountain Sunny, beautiful, but a little cold. Oh, but a little bit cold. It's that time of year, brother. It's that time <laughs> of year. I, I, I understand that uh, at the moment we are facing a number of issues um, in terms of uh, what's happening. Uh, I've been watching the news. I can see there's cases all over the place. I'm guessing that Troy say um, is, uh, is involved in a number of things currently. We certainly are. And... It's very interesting that this is particularly in tune with the Papuda, uh, which is the uh, otherwise known as the Amendment Act. And we have been speaking on the show, of course, about the Papuda um, uh, Amendment Act, which is very much going to make the existing Papuda Act or the Equality Act that much worse. So let me give you perhaps an indication as to what happens at present. So you can see how it's going to get a lot worse if this thing goes through. Um, We're involved in three cases at the moment, all of which are moving this month. Um, The one case is the Boss wedding venue case, where a wedding venue, which was owned and run by Christians, uh, very graciously explained to a same-sex couple that they did not feel that they should be compelled Uh, to celebrate their event. They obviously didn't deny their right to be married. They have the right under the Constitution and under law and the Act. Um, And they also didn't, of course, discriminate against them on the basis of their uh, sexual orientation because they welcome people of all orientations to their venue and have had many past occasions where they've done so. But nevertheless, this couple and the South African Human Rights Commission brought uh, litigation against them uh, for unfair discrimination under the Equality Act 
And also uh, the couple want a two million rand uh, fine levied against them. So not only are they having to defend this case themselves with their own money, whereas the uh, state, obviously, the Human Rights Commission, are using taxpayers' money, but they're also facing significant um, negative consequences and sanctions. That was the one case. Yes. The, the second case is what we call the Chetty case, which is a young evangelist who declared at an outdoor meeting that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, uh, that he is the one and only true God. And he has been had up for hate speech. And they even tried to bring a criminal charge against him by three local Hindu associations, which they said his speech amounted to Hindu bashing. They also want some 400,000 rand uh, damages from him. He must serve community service for 200 hours and uh, he must never speak or preach on those scriptures in public again. Then we have the Isipantra case where a young learner at a Christian school with a Christian ethos, private school, uh, came back with an Isipantla, which is a, a sort of a bracelet, which is worn uh, as a connection with ancestors. And the school said, look, that was not in keeping with their ethos. And they're also uh, being charged with unfair discrimination because of uh, discriminating against customary values. So it just gives an indication of how broad the reach of this act already is. And it is the second act in our under our constitution all legislation must comply with it so here's the problem once you've proven discrimination that discrimination is deemed to be unfair in other words you are literally guilty until you prove yourself innocent so unless you can show that you have actually discriminated fairly then you are caught in the crosshairs literally and the problem with that of course is that it is very difficult to prove that you have actually acted fairly because the test is weighted against people of, uh, of if, if you like, of people of faith because the test says, for example, that it depends upon, fairness depends upon whether the discrimination impairs human dignity. Um, it depends upon the complainant's position in society or whether he or she suffers from patterns of disadvantage or belongs to a group, which is identity politics, if you like, that suffers from such patterns of disadvantage and others. And so once you're caught in the net, you have to prove fairness, and it's almost impossible to do so. And that is why already we have many concerns about this Papuda, uh, the Equality Act in its current form, but it's going to get a whole lot worse, because what's going to happen uh, when this act comes into play is that the grounds are going to be even broader. So now it's going to be whether you intentionally or not, directly or indirectly, in other words, even if you didn't intend to, you're still caught. And the other test is, did it cause prejudice or did it somehow undermine someone's dignity? Irrespective, by the way, as the access of the bill says, of whether or not this was the sole or dominant reason for the discriminatory act. So it is so, so broad. And that is why we're so concerned about it. So, where to from here, Michael? Uh, I have no doubt that there are members of the public, that there are Christians all over our country that are listening in today. Um, if they hear you um, uh, kind of ringing the bell, they hear you raising a red flag, um, they hear the concerns, what are the kinds of things that, that people who are listening in can do? What are the kinds of things that pastors that are listening in can do? Where do we start in terms of, of voicing our concerns about this current bill and legislation? 
Well, I think the first thing is obviously to know what you are concerned about. In other words, to be informed. Yes. And what we say have tried to do, and we do always try to do, is we try to break down some of these quite technical legal issues into let's say layman's terms language that people can understand and so we have on our website a series of uh, short videos which explains the issues um we've written a series of articles on this matter and we do of course have very importantly a road show coming up on tuesday next week which is in the evening from 6 30 until 8 p.m uh, actually the Q&A is probably going to be the last half hour. So if you, even if you just tune in for an hour, that would be good. And you can, again, register for that on our website. And it's free of charge. Get informed is the first thing. And the second thing is, have your say. You know, fortunately, we do live in a democratic process. And if we do let government know clearly that we do not want a law, and enough of us do, then there's a very good chance and likelihood that we can push this thing back we did it before the last time we had this well a couple of times we, we had this of course with the hate crimes and hate speech bill which would have literally criminalized most things that pastors would say in a pulpit on a sunday it would have literally carried a three to ten year jail sentence um and we had sixty thousand submissions against that and as a result we got a specific protection put into that bill for religious speech, which was great. That's the power of democracy. And then, of course, you might remember a couple of years back now when the comprehensive sexuality education uh, content was released by government. They were trying to push it into all public schools. Again, uh, we raised the alarm on that. And such a good pushback that it is not compulsory. You can now choose other content for that particular course. And the Department of Basic Education has confirmed that. So it's a democracy. But it's only a democracy if we also make sure that our voices are heard and heard clearly. So we have wonderful benefits in the system that we live, but we also have responsibility and we need to exercise it. Uh, point really, really, really well made, Michael. Um, and thanks for raising the alarm. Um, I have added the 4SA videos link um, to all the areas that I've shared um, this, the live stream on uh, this morning and would encourage people to connect to 4sa.org.za for more information. That would be absolutely fantastic. And thank you for your support, Mark. Really, really do appreciate it. Well, as always, it's really good to speak to you, Michael. Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate the interactions and look forward to speaking to you next week on uh, Table Talk. Yes, we will certainly have an update. Go and enjoy and the weather in Cape Town, brother. <laughs> it's hard not to. And spare a thought for us in Gauteng, where it is chilly at the moment. <laughs> God bless. Well, uh, listeners, again, um, we are uh, welcoming you to the conversation as we move on from speaking about Papuda and uh, <laughs> the struggles that we have uh, in terms of the relationship even between the church and the state we are now going to talk about the relationship that churches have with cities mm. uh, we're going to start to engage on a biblical theology of cities and we are going to talk around reaching our city for the gospel of Jesus Christ I'm going to introduce my, my guest in a moment but even before I do I want to encourage you to get involved in the conversation uh, really uh, what makes this show 
excellent is when you guys engage, when you send in questions, answers, comments, um, biblical references, uh, corrections from time to time when I either misread or misquote. Uh, really, really always uh, am encouraged by your interactions and I want to invite you to join the conversation. So as we speak, do engage with us by sending through those questions and those comments that you have on your mind. How might you do that? You ask. And the answer is uh, on Facebook. We're currently live streaming to the Radio Pulpit Facebook page. That is Radio Pulpit Radio Council. Uh, we are also available if you are a tweeter <laughs> and you are a twit and you are on Twitter. You are welcome to send in comments on Twitter. The handle is at 657 AM. And then my preferred method of communication is WhatsApp. Uh, we are also on Telegram. The telephone number is 082-657-2729. Love it when voice notes roll in in terms of questions. It's always good to hear your voice as you engage with us. Uh, that's always a joy. I do want to start off by maybe asking you a question because we're speaking about cities today. It would be great to hear what cities you guys are from. Let me start off by saying what city I'm from. I am from Benoni, which is down the road, over the hill, across the tracks, um, a little bit east of where the radio pulpit uh, um, uh, offices are, where I am at the moment. It takes me about 40, 45 minutes maybe even an hour this morning, there was some heavy traffic on the N1 uh, to get here to Pretoria. I'm from Benoni, wise men come from the east. I guess east of Benoni is spring, so, uh, and then east of that is Mozambique. So depending on where you are and how far east you are, it uh, depends on how much wisdom God gives you. <laughs> um, my guest this morning is Andrew Butterworth. Andrew Butterworth is from the same city as I am, Benoni. Uh, I serve at Crystal Park Baptist Church, Benoni. Andrew serves at God First East Rand. Um, he is a pastor there, serving together with uh, with a number of other friends. Uh, how long have we been friends for, Andrew? Well, we've known each other just over a year and a half. So come to a year and a half. I mean, it's crazy because we've had kind of like five phases of lockdown in between. Um, I, I feel like I've known you for longer, um, but it's only been a year and a half. You arrived just before lockdown. Yeah, I arrived to Benoni um, from Four Ways and about the December and then started leading the church or leading the team that leads the church and then three months later or even two months March we were locked in lockdown and so we were sort of banding together looking at ideas how to solve um, you know the church which is a people that gathers not gathering sure so fortuitous uh, and providential for the church that uh, the shepherd arrived with a couple of months to spare to kind of just settle down, find a house, move in uh, and meet the team before things really got crazy. Yeah, we, we actually bought a house in lockdown because yeah. um, we, we believe in, it's, it's interesting that when Jeremiah said, well, God spoke to the exiles in Babylon, he, he said in that famous passage in Jeremiah, says, settle down, build houses, seek the prosperity of the city. And so I know that's an Old Testament reference, but we felt we wanted to, to demonstrate we're, we're here to be here for a long time. So we bought, we settled down, we put our kids in schools. All that all happened um, in the chaos of, of lockdown and homeschooling and stuff like that, yeah. And of course, the, the, advan the advantage is the house that you built that you bought is 
maybe two kilometers or three kilometers away from Crystal Park Baptist <laughs> Church, which means that you and I get to interact quite a lot. Exactly, so, you know, we yeah, get to spend nice. time together, yeah, have yeah. coffee together, shoot the breeze together, talk about church together, commiserate about live streaming and all of these kinds of things together, and build a friendship over a relatively short space of time. I've, I've really appreciated engaging with you. Well, likewise. And it's just nice as well to show to the city even that we're on the same team we're all we're, for sure you know we're, we're different denominations per se or what are groups of churches but we can let's go with groups rather yeah, than denominations yeah, flip, yeah, <laughs> so 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 I mean, I mean the the bottom line is i i wanted you on the show i, I approached you and said hey andrew please uh w- would you join me would you talk in fact you on my very first show um together with uh, marlon mckay uh, and another good friend, Wayne Gordon. Um, I, I invited three doctors. You're a you're a medical professional. You're a doctor, um, as well as holding a degree in public health uh, administration. Yeah. Um, and so I invited the three of you to talk about kind of coronavirus and lockdown mm-hmm. and uh, and vaccines at the at the beginning of January uh, last year, right uh, just before lockdown started, or it might have been in, in March. It was thereabouts. It was the beginning of last year, and uh, yeah, I just really appreciated the interaction. But asked if you'd come back, um, and you and I bantered a bit and uh, try to figure out what we would talk mm. about. But we settled on a subject that is really close to your heart, and a subject that I can see not only are you passionate about, but 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 you have um, you've walked um, yards ahead of me in, and I'm really interested to hearing what you say in terms of the bibliology, the the biblical theology of sitiology, <laughs> a, a, a study of the theology of of cities, and uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation. I mean, ultimately, my desire is to see the city where I live. Um, saved. I, I desire to see men and women turn to Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And what I'm really hoping is this morning as we talk, um, we might hear um, how we as believers, how we as pastors, how we as churches can can move toward that. And so, yeah, when we start talking about sociology, where do we start? So I think you have to start with the the reason why even form a theology of the city because um, if you look at the stats in 1950 751 million people lived in cities but over the seven the past 70 years this has increased fivefold to 4.2 billion people living in cities so certainly the city has to be on the church's radar and that's whether you live in the rural areas or the cities it as a strategic thing the church has to think about cities because it's um, Fifty-five percent of the world's population is currently in an urban area. I mean, that, that's just staggering. And I know that the stat is true. I've I've heard it many times. You see these kind of um, uh, statistical uh, visual representations of the kind of the largest twenty cities in the world, and just the the staggering volume of people who are living in cities. And and I guess we also experience urbanization right in front of our eyes here mm-hmm. in in Johannesburg. How long have you been in Joburg, Andrew? Um, coming up to 14 years. 14 years. Well, then you would have, I'm sure you would have experienced some of this. I, my wife and I um, bought our first house in Sunning Hill uh, about 20 plus years ago um, when we were first married. 
and um, we moved into into felt. Really, mm. there were a couple of I think they were called Summercon um, building estates that had been built in Sunning Hill. Um, we moved into an old cluster home environment. And uh, there was a little bit of a, a suburb around us. I, I, I drove back there a few years ago and got lost. Couldn't find our old house. <laughs> the the suburb had just changed and transformed so dramatically um, in terms of high-rise estates and mm. uh, flats and you know massive commercial enterprises uh, in the suburb. We we can see urbanisation happening before our eyes, uh, even before moving to Sunning Hill. We stayed for a for a time in Midrand, mm. um, before uh, there was what's that huge shopping mall, the Mall of Africa. Before mm. the Mall of Africa existed, before kind of Kyle, in fact, before Kailami, or maybe Kailami existed, but but the the mm. office park around it certainly didn't. Um, and have seen Veltafrieden transformed before our eyes. That whole Mall of Africa and uh, that Equestrain Estate um, developing and uh, just just amazing urbanisation as people. As people kind of gather, mm. <laughs> um, uh, even in Gauteng, this isn't just happening abroad in Europe or in Asia or in the mm. States. This is happening in South Africa. Yeah, I, I mean, eventually, I mean, Pretoria and Joburg used to be very separate, but they're they're encroaching on each other, and people say they're just blend between the two, or just be one urban area, really. And if you look at the way things have progressed, you know, with Joburg CBD, then there's the people, the the business is moving to Santon, and now, as you're talking about Mall of Africa, well, there's a business park there with with waterfall, and yes. you know, you've you've got um, some of the big accountancy firms moving there, not Santon, and and yeah. you see different uh, centres popping up and blending, and uh, yeah, there's. Uh, Midrand used to be rural, didn't it? I mean, <laughs> for sure. I mean, when as I moved to Gauteng, it, it certainly was. Mm. I, I actually remember I've got a I've got a vivid memory. I, I was a boat boy <laughs> at a wedding when I was a kid. I'm talking like seven or eight years old, and the wedding was in Pretoria. My family stayed in Alberton, and so we came up to Johannesburg, you know, the big city, and and stayed in Alberton with the family, and then drove through to Pretoria. Um, for this wedding on a Saturday or whatever it was. I can't remember those kinds of details. But I remember going up to N1 and the distance between Johannesburg and Pretoria was so large that I could fall asleep in the car on the way there. I mean, there was like this little halfway shop. It was probably Midrand. Um, you know, on the way to Pretoria, there was distance between these two metropoles. Uh, in fact, in those years, it probably wasn't a metropole. It was probably, you know, two cities. And yet now we have these staggeringly large municipalities Municipalities, massive urbanization, mm. um, and and the question is, how do we as the church, and how do we as local churches, how does how do we as the church with a capital C, mm. re- respond to what is happening right before our eyes? Does the Bible have anything to say about these things? Well, it's it's an important thing to ask um, because you know um, cities are generally thought of as bad. You think um, the first city ever built was um, Cain, and he was running from God. And he he built a city. So you, do, you don't get a, a great feeling when you start off opening the Bible and starting in cities. Um, but the Bible has a lot to say about cities. Um, the Tower of Babel, for instance, was you know that was a, effectively an urban area. People gathered, and they were uh, rising against God. And God said, "We have to stop this." So you, you can you can start reading and think, "Well, is God for cities at all? Is this something we've got to fight against?" Mm. Uh, e- even in that that story of Cain and Abel, um, really as a 
punishment, God sends him out uh, and says that he will be a restless wanderer on the earth. That, that's, the, that's the curse that falls on Cain. Um, and yet, even in verse 17, Cain, when he's intimate with his wife, she conceives a son, gives birth to Enoch, and he becomes a builder of a city. It almost seems in rebellion mm. um, to the curse of God that's fallen on him, this, this very first city. Uh, and, and then, as you say, uh, Babel also, you know, not exactly above repute, this no. place where man <laughs> shakes their fist in rebellion to to God and, and, and God recognizes, you know, if they achieve this, this building of this tower in the midst of this great and glorious city, um, what what won't they achieve? And it's probably the world's first skyscraper. You know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so our sky, skyscrapers even uh, allowed, you know, by God. You've got to got to wonder about these things so when you start off with the bible it seems negative but there's also a lot of positives which we want to draw out um because we shouldn't just see cities as bad um, yeah there's a there's a lot of good in cities as well that the bible draws out mm, so mm. that's very important it would be a mistake just to uh, discount cities well well give me some examples I, I mean you say we shouldn't just see cities as bad i mean my experience of Johannesburg is maybe it's a cesspool of crime and violence and sometimes xenophobia and 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 certainly it seems to be a center of you know sexual predatory behavior and deviance and you know it's just mm-hmm. kind of like a mess tell me what's good about cities well, I'm going to draw from Tim Keller because he's sort of been foundational in, in setting up this theology. And well, we hit the pause button. Who's Tim Keller? Just, you know, I mean, obviously in a conversation between you and me, I pretty much know where you're coming from. I know what you're speaking about, but but we might have listeners who are going... So um, if you don't know Tim Keller, he's a Presbyterian pastor in in the, in well, in New York, but he wasn't... Initially, he was... He graduated and, and he pastored a small little uh, town church. And he felt God call him to go to Manhattan in New York, which, you know, Manhattan is is the cultural forming center in New York. It's where the, the finances are. It's that, that island where probably the most richest real estate in earth. And he, he launched a, ch- a church there against the odds when people said he'd fail. And it grew to 5,000 members in Manhattan. So mm. um, he's very influential um, nowadays. Um, but he's just spent the last 20 30 years growing a church there talking to unbelievers in the city um and and seeing many one to faith so that's that's tim keller and he because he, he he planted in a city he's very passionate about cities and one of the things he says is that you know cities are like a melting pot they they draw the best and the worst so you, you mentioned all the worst you know the, mm. the, the best criminals are in cities not in towns because <laughs> <laughs> they learn from each other and they're competitive but it also means all the good is that is also magnified as well he he tells this story of the lady in his church who was the, the best violinist in her region even not just her town but her region she came to new york and as she walked along the street she saw a violinist playing just busking who was much better than her and she's yes. just busking on the street because cities attract the best look if I had to go to any city in the world in fact any dorp in the world and I walked past a busker they'd be much better than me my musical <laughs> talent is limited although the point is well made cities do attract the best the, yeah. you know like the London school of ballet the mm. best ballets from ball, ball, ballerinas what's male ballerina Let's I, let's I just know. call him a ballerina for now, because <laughs> I don't have a better word. Maybe somebody online can can uh, can uh, Google that. Um, but but uh, attracts the best ballet experts from all over the world uh, to that one central location. And, and it's not just um, things like ballet and arts and culture. It's also 
theologians. The best theologians are in cities because they're concentrated at universities per se. Or, or Augustine of Hippo, Paul of Tarsus, Gamaliel and Hillel. Uh, I'm just thinking we're from Jerusalem and uh, and Tarsus. Uh, you know, you think of the 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 the, the philosophers in Athens on Mars Hill. I mean, there, there's biblical reality that you're that you're raising as I'm thinking about it and I, I guess practicality as well you think of you know Rhodes University and the emphasis on journalism and philosophy um, and just the excellence that that even Rhodes has developed you know university towns and university cities and um, centralized locations for theology for arts culture philosophy academics and, and excellence and if you look at Paul he moved to study under Gamaliel mm. so he had to go from where he was to Jerusalem to the city to study to learn Judaism under the best teacher because that's yes. what he wanted to do yeah so yeah people go to cities because that's where it concentrates the, the best um, and then even Charles Dickens was um, aware of this this the distinction of the cities taking the best and the, and, and the worst he said this in the in the opening pa- uh, paragraph of the tale of two cities said it was the best of times it was the worst of times it was the age of wisdom it was the age of foolishness it was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. I, I, I mean, Dickens there, contrasting London and it's France. A, a Paris, yeah, the two uh, cities. Paris, yeah. yeah. <laughs> France is a country, <laughs> isn't it? Hey? In, in, that, in, that big, uh, in that big land mass uh, to the right of uh, England on the map. Um, uh, yeah, just, you know, cities have both good, good and elements bad. and bad elements. Um, this is true. What makes them attractive for the church? Why should why should we care for them? What do you <laughs> can, I, can I just, uh, a couple of people have been commenting, and I, I don't want to, I don't, I mean, I, I enjoy, comments, I enjoy yeah. talking to you, I can talk to you all day long, um, but the, the reality is we've got a number of people that are in this discussion, uh, I do want to give a shout out to Justin, who says uh, hi, uh, listening in on, uh, on, uh, on, 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 probably facebook but commenting on whatsapp uh sharon uh gives a book recommendation regarding the city thanks so much for that really appreciate it and uh isa van der Valt says with a degree of authority in the tone uh, a ballerino is a male <laughs> ballerina so, <laughs> so th- thanks for that um and uh yeah i re- really appreciate the 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 Either your knowledge or your ability to Google. Well done. Well done, <laughs> yeah, uh, Issa. Cool. Okay, so where are you, we in terms of the progression of this conversation? So, so I think it's important to recognize that cities are bad and concentrate the, the worst of people in society and humanity. But they also concentrate the best. We see this in the Bible as well. So cities were, were a place of safety. So <laughs> Sorry, Roland Eskenazi says, Mark, as a former ballet dancer, <laughs> the male dancer is ballet dancer, not ballerina. Great topic. <laughs> Thanks for that, Roland. Roland's a regular listener. Uh, lovely to have you listening in all the way from Europe because I'm assuming you were on holiday in South Africa a few weeks ago, Roland, but you have made it back um, uh, to Europe. So it's great to have you tuning in, brother. <laughs> You're going to have to start that sentence again. And guys, Thanks for the ballet uh, for the ballet comments. We're going to hit a pause on that topic and return to sitiology. <laughs> <laughs>
So going through the Bible, you see the cities were also a place of protection. You've got the, the cities of safety that were set yes, up. Is, they were told to set these up so people could flee to them and be safe. The, behind the city walls was, a, was security. Mm. And so, you know, a, the city was developed to protect people from, from the ravages of war and things like that. It, um, commerce is found in the city. Um, you know, the prosperity of, of of nations is occurs mainly through the cities. I mean, particularly in the Old Testament, just in terms of where cities were placed, right? So mm. you've mentioned protection. Often cities were on on either mountain tops or on kind of like hilltops in order to provide some kind of protection that uh, uh, you know advancing armies would have to go uphill, whereas the walls would give even extra height for mm. archers uh, firing down. Um, but you, but you are right. Uh, cities were always found on trade routes. I mean, mm. you'd have major highways, major roads. Later, when the Romans came uh, into New Testament times, uh, those Roman roads were 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 on city paths as mm. uh, as 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 trade routes and 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 mechanisms for commerce to you know get to the Silk Route uh, mm-hmm. over to Asia to get back to Europe uh, to Asia Minor and uh, Macedonia and, and other places. But you, you you are right. I mean, cities are commerce, culture, mm-hmm. um, protection, and they're strategic as well. So if you look at the Israelites taking the Promised Land, they 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 march in. What do they do? They take the cities. Yeah, and it was hard to take Jericho. I. Yeah, I mean the Jebusites held out for it seems like generations before David came yes. in and and made it the, the the city of God Zion. You know, even the name the yes. Zion, the city of God. We built the temple in Excellent. a city. Yes, you know? yes, I I get it. I I see the positive the positive <laughs> side of city life. Yeah, and uh, so we've got to see both of those things. And even today, so cities set culture. You know, you if you want to hear the best bands in the world, you you don't go. They don't come to a rural area. They come to where the people are. Because people are in cities, and uh, it and, and it concentrates that element of things. Um, and worship happens in cities. So in in Jerusalem, people would come, you know, three times a year as part of the the Jewish uh, rules for a man is to go to Jerusalem to celebrate in the feast that happened in mm. the city. I, I mean, you see that even beyond Christianity. Uh, I you know studying going through the book of acts a few years ago um whether it was ephesus uh, very close to the key central i'm sure ephesus was close to the key central uh location for the worship of diana or mm. um y- y- many gods were associated with very specific cities and cities seem to concentrate and centralize the worship of deities well, even look at the new testament letters they're written to churches in cities yes. so the the, the letter to the Ephesians. It was a, Ephesus was a city, not it wasn't a country. You know. I mean, Jesus chooses to write. I mean, we we often say that Jesus. Ne- I mean, I see those memes on Facebook all the time that Jesus never wrote anything, which is not strictly true, because in the Book of Revelation, Jesus dictates to John seven letters to seven churches, and those seven churches are in cities. They're in Ephesus and Simra and Pergamon. Know, Pergamon. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's Laodicea. And if you look at the New Testament, the um, the strategy even of of Paul and others was to to evangelize cities mm. and once he'd won the city he was confident and planted a church that reproducing and growing he knew the region would be won he didn't really spend a lot of time in the rural areas um just as a strategic sort of use of his time i think i, I think you know I, i'm just aware that we have covered Biblical theology as it relates to cities beginning at Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and progressing through the time of Judges to David and Jerusalem and then into 
Jerusalem itself uh, in New Testament times through to the book of Acts and Paul planting in city after city after city and going back in order to make sure that the cities were captured mm-hmm. um, declaring that entire regions were one when cities had been planted in that region mm-hmm. um, and we've even advanced into Revelation chapters 1, 2 and 3 where Jesus is writing seven church, uh, mm-hmm. seven letters to seven churches located in seven specific cities um, but the story of cities doesn't even end in Revelation 3. I mean, really, the the story of cities is all-encompassing. It starts at the beginning of Genesis, and it really goes all the way to the end of Revelation. Well, if if you, it's right. If you look at the arc of the Bible, you have civilization starting with Adam and Eve in a garden. Yes. And then you've got the tree of life there, the tree of knowledge, good and evil. Then you fast-forward right to the end, to Revelation 22, what do you have? You have the tree of life, but the tree of life isn't in just a garden anymore. It's a garden city. So if I read from Revelation verse 1 and 2 from chapter 22, it says this, The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. It's interesting. It's the city of God. It's a city. The Revelation ends with a city. It says on, on either side of the river, the tree of life. So you've got the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, and then you've got uh, the tree of life in the city of God. It, mm. It's almost as if the, the garden becomes a garden city. I mean, it's quite remarkable. I mean, even starting at Revelation chapter 21, you've got this repeated phrase of city. I'm looking at verse 23. I have it highlighted in my uh, in my Bible. The city does not need sun or moon to shine in it because the glory of God illuminates mm-hmm. it and its lamp is the lamb. Uh, often when we read that text, we focused on the glory of God and, and just this otherworldly change that has happened. You know, no mm-hmm. need for sun and for, for stars for light because God himself is present. Uh, he lives there (laughs) God God is present but but it's in a city Mm. it's in the city of Jerusalem at this stage in in Revelation chapter 21 Jerusalem has descended the the new Jerusalem the the new Jerusalem the dimensions are given Mm. Uh, this this great city of God um, is present Uh, yeah quite remarkable And Uh, and it's interesting because our eternal destination isn't just in eventually in heaven that the heaven comes down to a renewed earth and civilization sort of is lived out without all the bad stuff. So you think of the... I mean, the, we, we, we just, we're just going to bleed into eschatology for <laughs> two seconds. Uh, I mean, you think of, of passages um, that speak of, of God giving us talents. And the reward for that is judging over cities in the millennial mm. kingdom. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 again it's it's it it's ruling over cities in terms of that parable like i, I mm. mean it does seem that the bible is filled with with this conversation about cities lots yeah. and lots of conversation it, the, god creates a city he he foresees the city um and he redeems the city so we know cities to be the worst and the best but eventually they'll just be the best and it, I love this quote from Tim Keller. He says, "When God, and God tells Adam and Eve to have dominion and fill the earth, he's directing them, them to build a God-honoring civilization. They are to bring forth the riches that God put into creation by developing science, arch, architecture, human society. God was calling Adam and Eve to be city builders because they're building a civilization. Mm. And even the word civilization is rooted in... Um, I, th- I think in the, the the city sort of mentality as well. So I, I realize that the point has probably been made, and now I am just 
belaboring it. Um, <laughs> but but I am thinking of Acts chapter eighteen. You know, you've got uh, Paul in the in the city of Corinth. Uh, he's clearly going through a really really bad time, um, and the Lord appears to him in a vision. I mean, it's actually quite startling. It must have been so comforting. Um, but but the Lord's words, Jesus Christ's words to the apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentile, we don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in mm. this city I, Jesus um, thinks in terms of cities writes letters to cities and has many people in cities and and I think it's not we don't want to get this city versus rural areas sort of mentality we're saying just that cities are strategic because the people are there uh, but we need we need the gospel to go out to the whole world and that means reaching rural areas small towns but but cities are disproportionately now where the people are and they're increasingly so yes. so we need to direct our strategy towards cities but not um, all our resources and energy so we happen to be in cities which is great but we still value the rural planters and we need to reach the rural areas but if but maybe if we reach the cities we can change the culture which makes it easy to reach the rural areas it seemed to be the strategy that uh, the early church had at least sort of go for the city and then it spills out to to the towns and the places like that so i don't want to exclude people in rural areas and well that, that i mean that's helpful to make that to make that qualification we, we we're not saying jesus loves cities at the expense of the countryside um, but we are saying that there does seem to be a particular emphasis mm. in terms of biblical theology as we go through God's word, a particular emphasis on cities. Uh, that seems to be really uh, centralized locations for things as mundane as culture and uh, protection, um, but things as spiritual as centralized worship. Mm. Uh, just uh, as we're talking, Glenn Williams, who is with an organization called Macanio Theological College, um, Glenn is a regular listener and he gives a couple of book rec uh, recommendations um, Why Great. Cities Matter to God, the Culture and the Church by Stephen T. M. And Justin Buzzard, forward by Timothy Keller, and then <laughs> the Urban Face of Mission: Ministering the Gospel in a Diverse and Changing World, by Harvey M. Conn. If you're a pastor listening in and you are interested in cityology, those would be two good books um, to get started with uh, in terms of wrapping your mind around cityology. So, brother, as we as we unpacking the virtues of cities, even recognizing the vices of cities uh, the question is uh, what does the bible say in terms of the salvation of cities how does that work how does god go about reaching cities or or, or does or does this just happen haphazardly by by accident well if you look at the book of jonah here you've got an israelite prophet being sent by god to a pagan city who hated the jews they would they're one of the enemies. They used to attack the Jews and taunt them. And they were seems Jonah hated the Ninevites just as much <laughs> as the Ninevites hated the Jews. I mean, he, he really didn't want to no, go. No, no, he didn't. Uh, and and I think rightly so. I I'd understand it because they were the Ninevites. It was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. Yeah, and and the Assyrians were were awful in the way they approached their enemies. They they tortured their enemies, and so I can understand him being. Hey, I don't don't want them to come to faith I mean just historically it's one generation after that story of 
you know, Jonah and the whale in the city of Nineveh. Um, and th- don't correct me on the whale; that was just a joke. Um, but but <laughs> the jo- large fish, yeah. Jonah and the large fish <laughs> at the in the city of Nineveh. It's just one generation later, and that uh, that Assyrian army is going to come and take the northern tribes of Israel into captivity and bondage. So, so we know, we understand why. I mean, he didn't get God's heart because at the end of the book. God has still has to try and win him over and say, look, he's like the worst missionary <laughs> ever. <laughs> the missionary in the book of Jonah really is God, isn't it? I know, because Jonah's, it's, yeah, his, his heart needs to be redeemed for, because God loves people, even if they're godless and awful like the Assyrians. He said, he said right at the end of the book, he said, you know, should I not love this city that has 120,000 people in it who don't know the right hand from the left? So God's heart here is for a, a godless people who who attack his 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 treasured possession his people and yet he's saying look i love people and it's because the cities have people in them that's why they're important to god mm-hmm. it's it's humanity's there yes uh, god's uh, and i'm just thinking of that last verse in the book of jonah uh, i'm going to read it because i looked it up right now verse 10 in chapter 4 and the lord said you cared about a plant because Jonah really got upset that a plant had withered and died, uh, which you did not labor over and did not grow, and it appeared in a night and perished in a night. So may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals. I mean, that not being able to distinguish between their right and their left, a kind of a couple of interpretive options you know this might be children this might be uh, those who who just haven't had enough exposure uh, to truth and um, but the reality is God's heart is for that great city and he declares it he has compassion that Jonah lacked mm. for a people that Jonah hated and yet God in his sovereign purposes choose to lavish graceful love upon um, Jonah goes and preaches the worst message ever you know you, you are going to be destroyed mm. no grace <laughs> absolute lack of grace goes and sits on the bank of the of the river opposite the the city probably waiting for sulfur and you know fire and brimstone to to descend a- and yet God creates one of the greatest city revivals you know mm. of all times um, because that's how God is <laughs> he's sovereign over salvation um, a, a, a great city loving God in this case yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's waiting for fire to come down like happened in Sodom. I mean, he would have known the story. And he would have seen uh, Nineveh to be just as bad as Sodom, really, uh, heathenistic. And he's got a, told by God to tell them it's going to be destroyed. And he wants God to follow through on what, what he says. He's expecting his prophecy to be fulfilled. And But what's interesting is that the people's response changes what God plans, it seems. Because God says preach that they'll I'll destroy the city in 40 days and then God doesn't do that yes so fascinating sort of theological sort of debate to have it's like does, does God not fulfill his word and it's it's and he doesn't because of the repentance of the people so yeah I mean in, in terms of it God is immutable he doesn't change he he know he knew exactly what he was going to do mm. at, at a time and um, people looked at God and saw the wrath of God um, as an attribute but later experience the grace of God now God's wrath is always tempered by all of his other attributes mm-hmm. um, which is a remarkable thing so God doesn't repent in the same way that man repents but he certainly relents and chooses his path according to his own wi- wise counsel just a long term uh, long term 
Long term. That sounds like a prison sentence. <laughs> a long time listener. Uh, Teresa writes in and says, greetings all. I hope you're all good. And thanks for the clarity on the rural versus city comment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like Andrew could sense that one was going to ask about that. And then a <laughs> smiley face. Um, this is an interesting topic. And would you say that the principles can also be taken from Deuteronomy regarding cityology? Uh, thanks in advance. Um, he goes on to clarify in terms of lifestyle, not the killing part. <laughs> okay, over to you. So, so just what? Which part of Deuteronomy is, is the reference made to? I, I, mean. I, I didn't know exactly. So I was like, over to you. Maybe you're more of a with where the question's coming from. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, Teresa, maybe you do want to clarify the question a little bit. But let me say that you know, in terms of the Old Testament um, mosaic law, there, there's plenty that relates to cities in terms of how people are to live in community with one another. In fact, the, the priest get cities an inheritance. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I was I was then going to go to the Levitical mm. cities, you know, that were uh, where the avenger. Uh, wouldn't be able to follow people places of refuge um, mm-hmm. cities designated in in each area uh, amongst each tribe I think two for each tribe if I remember correctly well, yeah. it's interesting because the Levites are the only tribe that don't get a portion of land yeah yeah. they, they, they weren't Levitical cities they were they were refuge cities Yeah, but they do get cities yes. as part of their inheritance fascinating yeah. and their retirement it seems from when they worked in the temple was that they'd go and retire in cities so I feel it's a biblical principle that you know, pastors are now the equivalent of the full-time workers for God that we should also get a city to retire to. You know? <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, which city are you going to choose? Andrew? I don't know. Yeah, okay, yeah. still deciding. Nazna, you know, maybe wilderness area. <laughs> uh, yeah, God is good. Um, just just as we as we speak now about the compassion of God towards cities, and, and we're coming up for ten o'clock, so we're going to hit to hit the pause button, uh, take a take a bit of a a musical interlude and uh, pay for the water and lights and uh, the, the, that the lights stay on uh, hear from our advertisers and people that partner with the show um, j- just as we as we come to the hour um, I- I'm really keen to hear um, both how God goes about the process of saving cities and what our relationship and response should be uh, to this emphasis on cities that we see in God's Word. We, we're going to go now to um, to music. We are going to hear from Charity Gale and thing, singing, Thank You, Jesus, for the Blood. Well, friends, you are listening to Radio Pulpit and Radio K Pulpit with me, your host, along with my friend Andrew Butterworth. We're both from the city of Benoni. <laughs> I serve as a pastor at Crystal Park Baptist Church. Andrew serves as a pastor at God First Eastrand. Um, we both are on staff. We care for the souls of men. We change the light bulbs as necessary. Um, and a shout out to everyone who is tuning in from our city. Uh, on Table Talk, uh, each week I get to speak to various guests or um, do Q&As uh, and we converse really on a range of biblical subjects. This morning we are talking about cityology, <laughs> which, uh, is that even a word? I know, my wife said to me this morning, what, what's that? What's that? <laughs> yes. I think it's a contraction of the theology of cities. It is the <laughs> theology of cities and, and really for the first hour of the show we laid out a biblical theology of cities why even bother talking about cities uh, we started in genesis all the way back to genesis chapter 4 although you, you ended up taking the conversation back to genesis chapter 1 the garden and then we extended the conversation like on, on a on a 
twisty road through judges, through kings, through the history, through uh, the prophets, <laughs> into the Gospels, the book mm-hmm. of Acts, which is where we're going to be going shortly, mm-hmm. um, and then into Revelation, the seven letters to the seven churches. We we ended up in Revelation chapter 22, uh, talking about the great city of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bottom line is the Bible has stacks to say uh, about cities, and, and so if the bible has so much to say about cities if if god's if god's focus uh, seems to rest with cities not at the exclusion of anyone else but 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 certainly as a as a focal point then then surely us especially those of us who reside in cities mm-hmm. need to take a study of cities and the theology of cities um uh, with some degree of Ernest on the crawls, on the controls this morning. By the way, pressing all the buttons and making sure that the lights stay on is our co-laborer in the ministry. And Paul, it's really great to have you with us, brother and uh, listener. We are inviting you to join in the conversation. So as we speak, please do engage. Uh, send through your questions, make comments. Uh, I'd love to interact with you on verses. Um, how might you do that, you ask? Well, now's the time to grab a piece of paper and a pen uh, and write down the information. I love voice notes. They come in on WhatsApp. Uh, you can also interact with us on Telegram. The telephone number is 082-657-2729. Get those voice notes rolling in. Uh, on Facebook, we are currently live streaming, and we uh, we kind of pick up right here in studio. Uh, Facebook comments. Uh, you can f- comment on our web page that is a facebook page that is uh, radio pulpit radio console uh, we will see those if you are a twit then you can tweet on twitter at 657 am uh, those are the ways that you can interact with us really look forward to hearing even what city you are from and what church you are attending in your city so andrew in terms of this discussion, we now enter into the second hour. Uh, where are we right now? So we're building a case for why God loves cities and why they're strategically important for the church. I mean, sure. in 30 years, with two-thirds of the world in cities, we need to, if we're looking at world evangelization, there has to be a strategy of the church to I mean, reach the like, cities. It's like billions and billions of people. I mean, what's I the world population right now? Like 7 billion or something? It's, yeah, 7 plus billion. It's so. like huge. And two-thirds in cities. Mm. We're talking like over 2 billion people. I, I mean that over four billion. Over four billion. Yeah, two thirds. Thank you for that. <laughs> That's why you have a doctorate and I do not, because <laughs> you can do basic math. Um, over four billion people in cities. I. It's just staggering numbers. So we need to reach the rural areas. We need to reach the cities. But strategy and resources need to go where the people are, and and the world is heading to to urbanization. We need to look at that. How to do that well? How to win people for Jesus? So. We're really concerned for the souls of men. Our desire is to see people one for Jesus. We recognize that God has compassion for men, uh, that the Lord desires that none perish. And so um, precisely for that reason, our desire is to proclaim the gospel faithfully in the places that God has put us. And it's wise to develop strategies to do that. I mean, it it really is. It it would be foolish um, to have no strategy, to have no care in terms of how we will take this great and glorious 
gospel into the world. We should do this very carefully. Clearly, Paul did in the book of mm. Acts, right? Yeah, if, if you look through the book of Acts, he strategically went to city to city to city, and he even declared that, you know, that this area is done, and it, he'd reached the city, and knew, knowing that if you reach the city, it's going to spill over into the rural areas, into the towns and villages, because cities set culture, and if you can change the culture, you can change the... Um, if you change the city, you change the culture, and change the culture makes it easier for the gospel to flow. Um, a lot of people are like, scared of, of cultures, like, oh, the culture's against Christianity, but we have an opportunity to reach the places of powers in cities and influence them to change the culture back. For for many years in, in Western Europe, the culture was positive towards Christianity because the cities were one for, for Christ, and the influencers, the lawmakers, the lawyers, the, the people, the, the movers and shakers, the cultural artists, they were they were believers, and so they they then uh, that that then expressed through what they did, and that shaped the culture. You know, I want to I want to come back to a couple of things that you've said, and just just unpack them, talk about them. Uh, the one is this cultural comment. You know, the culture is against us, and 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 I really want to at least spend a little bit of time blowing that out of the water, and 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 just talking against that kind of defeatist. Mm. Um, uh, Kind of spirit that so often uh, we have as believers, but but I I just want to spend just a little bit more time on Acts and on mm. Paul uh, and on this biblical theology that we've been that we've been sculpting because I re- I recently read through the book of Acts, um, and as I read through it and as I'm thinking back on it now, just this recognition of the emphasis that is placed on cities, uh, you have Paul going for you know to Damascus to Antioch Tarsus Derby Lystra. Iconium, um, Antioch in uh, Pisidia. Uh, you know, he he crosses over into Asia Minor. He goes to Troas, um, to Philippi, and you know, down to Berea, Thessalonica, um, uh, Athens, uh, Corinth. Uh, you know, back uh, to Ephesus, uh, on to to Crete, and and then down to Jerusalem. But but as you think of all of those locations that he went to over and over again it's it's city locations i, I mean that was his his second uh, missionary journey but uh, he, you know large, the third largely, and the fourth missionary journeys are, are precisely the same they're they're over and over with cities as locations yeah you can say it feels a little unfair because he's largely ignoring the the rural areas but that's because he knew he had limited time he wanted to be strategic and so he reaches the place where the where the people are because he knows you can get enough of a momentum in the in the city with a planting a church, and a, he, he could leave that 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 church to reach more people in that region. Mm. Now, in truth, I have heard often, um, you know, we, we, when we think about the cities that we are, and we lament over our lack of growth in terms of a local church, um, we we might talk about this this reality that the culture is against us because you know culture so often is i mean we spent the first 15 minutes of the show speaking to michael and just you know changes at the state level in terms of legislation which is which is anti the freedom of religion or the freedom of our religion anyway um uh, i mean culture is often against us and and yet hasn't that always been the case i mean you think of paul he didn't go to cities that were warm and embracing um over the discussions that he had i mean this man was stoned and beaten Mm. and whipped and lashed and you know 39 lashes and shipwrecked okay that didn't happen in a city um (laughs) but but you know paul expressed 
ex- experienced all manner of cultural pushback um, as he entered into the city locations. But but what was more important than the pushback um, for him? It was the souls. It was this mm. this desperate need to get a faithful proclamation of Jesus Christ and Him crucified um, into the city that he had just entered. Um, and so that became Paul's overwhelming desire. And then I guess this certain knowledge that salvation belongs to the Lord. Um, and then it didn't hurt that he had received a vision that Jesus said, look, I've still got many people in this city. Mm. Uh, I mean, just, you know, the knowledge that people would be saved, that uh, Jesus Christ ultimately would have victory. The, this idea of we live in a countercultural environment and that somehow excuses our apathy, our laziness or our, our inattentive to the areas where God has placed us is, is really a rotten excuse. But it's also not, not the way Paul did it because if you look at Paul, he, he, he sought out the influences. You know, he spoke to Herod and he wanted to speak to the, the Roman proconsuls, but his desire was to speak to Caesar. You know, you feel, you know, he's his longings to get to Rome and, it, uh, and, he, and he tries to reach these influences yeah. because he knows if you can win them, it will have such a knock-on effect down the, down the line. So he doesn't get defeated and say, oh, well, culture's against us. He's, he's like on a mission to change culture by winning the souls of the people who shape culture. You know, um, j- just in terms of that, the, that, that emphasis on influences, um, you really do see that through the book of Acts and, and Acts written to Theophilus um, mm-hmm. in all likelihood possibly most people would interpret a, a, an official of some sort in terms of the emphasis in the book of Acts on the response of officials to the gospel. Um, but I, I also just you know think of Paul in terms of his letters, particularly um, Philippians, where he, he, he makes careful mention of the household of Caesar, you know, j- just just conveying to his readers that people of influence are believing that, that he has access to people of influence. Don't stop praying for me. Uh, this is working out. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and at a great personal cost. He could have stayed in the synagogues and then the local, he, he could have not targeted the big Roman officials or the, because he could have just done lots of evangelism but not been strategic like that. And it would have had an easier, easier journey, you know. Yes, yes. His his beatings and his imprisonments happen because he he he's going for the the jugular and he, he goes to Jerusalem and he wants to speak in the temple and that that riles all the Jewish leaders and he gets arrested but he could have not spoken to the temple but the temple was significant influential in that in the city of Jerusalem and he wanted to to to, to hit the 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 culture forming places of cities he, even uh, speaking in Athens at the the uh, the Mars Hill isn't it the Areopagus yes. he, he goes there. Even though he's he's bringing a monotheism which is viewed uh, as in in enmity to the Roman worldview of the pantheon of gods, and he he doesn't doesn't seem to bother him. He just goes, I want to reach these people. Have we have we even touched on uh, Jesus's Christ's um, commission? No, you know, at the yet. beginning yeah. uh, at the beginning of uh, Acts, Acts chapter one, verse eight. You know, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Then in Judea and Samaria, mm. which are which are geographic locations, and then to all the ends of the earth, this this idea of expansion through the Book of Acts, which really the Book of Acts then models, mm. you know, the historical account of the expansion of the church begins with the city. Yeah. You know, on that day, three thousand people believed, and those that were that believed were baptized and were added to their number. And and once you got this huge number there and it says not not an in, insignificant number of priests as well, you know, as a throwaway comment. But as they get that church of 
ten thousand, twenty thousand, maybe. I mean, it, it starts with three thousand. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. Day, I mean, it grows rapidly. Yeah, but but then when the dispersal happens, yes. you've got this big sort of group of believers who can then be great missionaries when they're dispersed. But they 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 almost like groundswell in the city to then get dispersed. So I'm looking forward to Crystal Park Baptist Church growing <laughs> to be twenty thousand so that we can disperse through the rest of of Gauteng. I do want to greet a couple of folk that have joined in and are listening in. Ishwa, it's always nice to hear from you. Um, uh, and he makes the comment that we are to reach people, 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 people. Mm. And then Tracy Naidu, uh, good morning. Lovely to have you with us uh, on the show this morning. Thanks for listening in. Uh, yeah, so uh, as we as we build this theology, at, at some stage, obviously, we've got we've to start shifting gear and we've got to start to talk about, well, well practically... <laughs> <laughs> what then should be our response to the cities in which we Absolutely. are found? So the first thing we we need to recognize is that if cities are expanding so fast, we're not actually keeping up currently. So if we're to, to reach people, we want to plant churches and we want to have, even just to stay still, we need to be planting churches. And I'll, I'll explain why. I want to give you the yeah. stats for Johannesburg. So Johannesburg in 2017 was 5.3 million people. I know there's different definitions of Johannesburg, sure. but but... <laughs> Regardless of what your definition is, if you take the numbers of, of a specific definition, in 2018 this grew by 172,000 people. So they're, they're they're coming from the the rural areas into the cities. This is just Johannesburg. Yeah. So you've got 172,000 new people in the city in one year. Yes. Now, if you were to uh, uh, incorporate those new people into churches, you need 860 churches of 200 people sized churches just to accommodate the new people. So if we as a church just don't plant churches we actually go backwards say that again because it's so important so we have to plant churches just to stay still yeah. if we don't plant churches we go backwards because the percentage of people that we reach it decreases every time i mean now now we're cooking right now we're down to brass tacks the, re- the reality is we need to be planting churches even in the cities we are in I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm all for missions. Um, uh, I'm I'm all for our involvement in terms of reaching unreached people groups and going to foreign mission fields. Praise the Lord for mm. raising up men and women who do just that. But friends, pastor friends that are listening in, uh, maybe you are in your 20s and you are burning in your heart and you want to see the gospel go out. The reality is we need pastors and church planters who will plant just down the road in the suburb next door um, in Johannesburg if Johannesburg is going to continue even to maintain the Christian influence that it has, lest it regress. Well, absolutely. And I don't think if you you can't stand still. So, so we as a church, we're, in September, we're starting a new congregation. We're going from a, a, a one congregation church to two congregations in Boxburg because we want to we wanna recognize this reality that we have to keep expanding otherwise just to keep up. That's so cool. Mm. Explain to me how that comes to being. I mean, you guys have a heart for the for the for the city. I, I mean, when when I talk to you and I ask you to describe God First East Rand, often you will use the words uh, reformed, charismatic, and missional. Those three words mm. uh, are, are quite close to to how you describe yourself. Um, and at least a couple of those words have direct crossover for mm. Crystal Park, and that's kind of where our friendship um, grows out of. Um, let's just put uh, charismatic and reformed 
to the side for just mm, a sure. moment and yeah. um, you you kind of self-identify as uh, <laughs> as as missional um that idea of being missional uh, just describe what that is and 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 how that motivates you to 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 go about planting a church just down the road i mean from where you are to boxburg isn't that far no, um, no. how do you how did you go about identifying a person to do it um how, who is that person and what would that church look like that you're planting just down the road so there's a lot there i mean the the <laughs> missional element is i love because we want everyone agrees that we should be evangelistic yes so often churches are evangelistic so that means often holding events or doing outreaches and we, we believe in all that but mission, a missional church has more than just doing evangelism. It says at our heart we are missionaries and we're here to reach those around us. And so we have to, th- everything we do must think through a theology of mission. And we have to even do church in a way that is, um, allows, is comfortable people to, to come in. So we think about the way we do our services. And we're, we're not talking about being seeker, seeker, um, um, Sensitive because that often downplays or or waters down church. We want to do the full, uh, you know, live out our full faith and and be church and all that all that it means. But we're tr- we're trying to be seeker sensible. We're trying to just <laughs> seeker sensible. <laughs> I like that. I thought you were going to go with seeker friendly, but yeah. seeker sensible is so even it, is even more careful. It means we're aware that we're in a city that often doesn't know Christianity anymore. They're not brought up on the Bible. So yeah. we're, when we're preaching, we're explaining things a little bit more than we we maybe used to because people, there's not a common. Uh, understanding of biblical stories so we, okay. we have to reference a bit more but it also means we just explain things a bit more and we're, we're just aware that we, we, we're preaching to unbelievers and believers at the same time in our service mm. I, I, I love uh, one time we because um, we, we try and get people serving in our, in our church early on as soon as they come it's like hey do you want to serve and uh, um, back when we were in, in God First in Bryanston we, we encouraged um, people to serve and then we did a, a response to the gospel and one of the guys handing out communion responded to the gospel because he'd been drawn to serve and hand out. The <laughs> so, so we might have a we might have a slight difference in ecclesiology, yeah, kind of like the doctrine of of how maybe servants at church works. Uh, we would we would pretty much require people to be moving into or toward membership before we had them serving in any capacity but at the same time i i, I that wasn't the main point no, that no, you were no, trying yeah. to make the main point that you were trying to make is just this 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 intentional directional position toward the city in which god has placed you and, and a desire to see that city saved and then and then that desire actually becomes an active an active uh, results in, in in activation of of what you do and how you do it. And, and you think through every element of how you do church with the city in mind. We want to reach, be contextualize the gospel to the people around us. And so uh, yeah, it's it, it's our you know, your 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 culture may be comfortable for people like you who grown up in church, but is, is your church environment um, welcoming for people who haven't grown up in church? You know, how do they think? That, what's their experience like when they first come for the first time? You've got to think about those things. You, you've been in Benoni now for a year and five months. Yeah. A year and five months. Over that time, I'm going to just ask you, take a thumb suck. How many good churches, and be generous, how many good churches do you think are in our city, Look, roughly? Benoni's filled with churches. You know, every... It is. Every, you, go, you can drive past, like, 
<laughs> 15 to 20 yeah. of them if you go drive through the city so yeah. there's there's a but real how, but how many good churches and be generous roughly that you know I, I don't in a know. year and five months there's, um the, i've connected with a a number of churches and so um yeah I, there's lots of them there's the real I mean, 50 60 100 yeah. i mean people talk about churches that preach the gospel that believe that jesus is yeah. lord and that yeah wants people to, you know i that's my in my mind that's evangelicalism that's believe the bible preach jesus want to see people get saved have you connected with with 60 70 i i don't have personally connected with the pastors of those but i've but I, there's certainly a lot there's there's many i mean yeah it's been estimate well you've been there a lot longer so you can you can estimate it well i'm going to say if i was absolutely generous i mean so every new member that comes to crystal park and every every visitor that comes to crystal park we will send them a list of churches who we believe are somewhat like-minded to us um in case we're not a fit for those people because ultimately we want to see people want to christ not necessarily every single person is going to end up at crystal park baptist church and we're comfortable with that Uh, we we partner in that way directly with five churches but if i was to be generous let's say that there are 10 times more that number of really good churches in our city 50 churches and and those churches run at roughly 100 on a sunday but let's be generous let's say that that all 50 of those churches are in an incredibly vibrant position and there's 200 people in attendance every Mm. single sunday that would be 10,000 souls do you know how many people live in our city 158,777 people well, live in Benoni live in Benoni the bottom line is there's still 148,777 people that yeah. that wouldn't be in a good vibrant church the the reality is our, our city needs churches it mm. needs vibrant I mean it doesn't just need churches it has it has hundreds and thousands of churches but it, it needs healthy churches it needs churches that love the gospel that are that are missional and that want to see people mm. saved it needs vibrant churches that are that are growing and that are healthy spaces where people can be discipled toward the image of Christ and God mm. can be glorified uh, we don't we don't have an abundance of of healthy churches in our city we need more <laughs> that God might be praised in our midst and I think what the way that starts is people have to have a, a positive view of the city so there's I mean Tim Keller outlines different ways people can see the city because the way you see it shapes what you do in the city before we get to that mm. just how did you guys oh, end yeah, up Bo- identifying Boxburg and do you have a man for that plant and what's that plant going to look like and when's that happening I'm, I'm like super excited so, so it's, it's an amazing story so um, I, I I lead a team of elders and there's two full time elders myself and a guy called Rob Rob was um, completely atheistic lost in the city of Boxburg in his 20s he, um, he, he God found him in Boxburg and then he came through the ranks of our church um, to getting saved and then instead of living with his partner they got married and they they they, they came into membership and they became a leader and he came on staff and he's gone through the the, the we're part of the, a group of church called Advance the Advance Church Leaders Planting Course he's done all that and then but God spoke to him many years back and said I'm going to take you back to where you're lost and I want you to reach people like yourself who are lost and so God put on his heart the city of Boxburg um, because that's where he was when he was furthest from God and he wants to reach people just like that 
It's incredible. Hey, man, I've had the opportunity to interact quite a bit with Rob. He's a good guy, solid guy. I've enjoyed his preaching. In actual mm. fact, when you guys were working through the book of Jonah, um, I, I, I listened to that series um, and particularly enjoyed Rob's uh, uh, sermon uh, as he was going through that book. Uh, I, just a shout out to him in case he's listening. And I, I'm really looking forward to hearing how that how that church is planted. I, I mean, what are you kind of like giving Rob two swords and patting him on the back and then he walks down the road and plants a church how does how does church planting in a city uh, which is literally right next door to you how does that work in your context how, how have your elders gone about the decision of uh, of planting that church so it's we want to follow God and so we we recognize the call that's on Rob to to lead this congregation but we also see the real benefits of partnering together so we don't want to plant a church and say goodbye to Rob. We want to say we're still together. So because we are close enough geographically, we feel we can still be one church but two congregations. We get all the benefits of big church and uh, back office and shared resources with HR and our bank accounts and just all those those things, nuts and bolts, you, a church planter doesn't want to get involved with because they want to win people and pastor people and stuff. And um, we're going to share all that and keep that going. But But at the same time we get the benefits of a smaller community we have people actually driving a long way to get to our services mm. and they invite their friends to church and the friends say well it's too far but now if they're going to go to the Boxwood congregation it's easier for them to invite their friends to church and we have people say well if you're in Boxwood we'll come mm. and so so that we, we see it as a as a way of reaching more people and it's, it's a way of doing our little bit to Keeping uh, keeping the church going in in because of all the urbanisation and trying to trying to you know not stay still. So we really I keep am doing this. super looking forward to hearing how that particular story unfolds. And I, uh, yeah, maybe at some stage must get uh, Rob on to that'd, come and chat great. Yeah, uh, yeah. when he's got a little bit of water under the bridge and uh, <laughs> has experienced kind of the senior pastoral role in Boxburg. Um, you know, <laughs> a little but bit wind battered. <laughs> we're also really really grateful that we're part of a group of churches that believe in church planting mm. and so every month we we give away money and part of that money goes towards church planting and beautifully we've been for this because we've put our hands up saying we're going to start a, a new congregation they've then given us back a seed or a, a fund to, to to launch really and, and buy a lot of equipment you know yeah, yeah. Uh, it's oh, awesome man very very so exciting. we're very grateful that we're we're in a, a fraternal of, of the, the believe in planting and reaching cities and okay so so back to city now. Mm. I mean, we're talking about planting in cities. How should we as, um, and, and let's think about this beyond just kind of like the pastor. Um, how, how should we view the cities that we live in? So it's, it's really important because your how you view things affects how you behave towards it. Mm. And if you're always scared of the city, seeing it as a big, like a bad, nasty place, which <laughs> which it is, yeah. But it, it's also good, and it's a you've got to have that balanced theology. But if, if you see it that way, it will affect how you re, you treat the city. You know, so so Tim Keller says there's, there's there's three wrong ways to view the city. I want to share those with you. So one is you, you despise the city, you view it. So church then becomes a fortress, a protection against that big big bad place. Um, and we don't want to do that because that's not how we see the New Testament. They didn't weren't fearful and shirk from the city. They engaged the city and and saw it as 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 territory to take for Jesus because the souls in the city. Well, I mean, just 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 describe really. I mean, just kind of flesh that out. What what would that look like? This despising for the city, a church that that 
doesn't love its city, uh, what might they look like? What might they smell like? What, what, what would the what, what what would be the kind of characteristics or marks of that kind of congregation? Well, the the sort of people that aren't captured by evangelism because you know maybe a bit Jonah-like in in thinking, oh, they're they're lost. Those heathens. very helpful. Yes, know. yeah, yeah. It's like I I don't want to go to them. I, let's try and preserve what we've got, and it's like quite a preserve you know is, is the log it in you know yeah, kind yeah. of like uh, draw in the wagons <laughs> and uh, protect because we're battered the the big sure. bad world is. And, and you can i mean you can understand mm. the the motivation and and some of the motivation is probably godly you know we we want to protect our children from these cultural influences mm. we want to protect uh, the integrity of our beliefs we don't want to you know draw in all these strange people and strange languages or uh, whatever it might be we don't want change we've got a good thing going here but but in the end it, it ends up hurting the testimony of Jesus Christ because because that's not his intention yeah. for the way that Christians live out their faith I mean what are we left on the earth for is it to just survive or are we, are we there to, to reach many you know you've got to think about what, what our role on earth is uh, are we the, like the the last little outpost has got to keep things going <laughs> yeah <laughs> or, or do we see ourselves as yeast that spreads throughout the whole day well, I mean, look, on the one hand, there is biblically a, a, a theology around a remnant. You know, it does seem that there is a sense that, that the church is always, you know, under under battle from external forces and sometimes even from internal forces. But But even in the midst of that, we are not the fearful ones that, that that draw into a lager and have a kind of a protectionist mentality and have no desire to see those who are outside of our fault saved. No, we, we're the ones that are sent. You know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, uh, mm. even the guys just down the road. Yeah. I mean, if you look in the dream of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel, you know, the, the kingdom of God, the, the ball knocks down the statue. Mm. It turns into a mountain that fills the whole earth. <laughs> yeah. you know, so we've yeah. got to think actually Jesus is expanding his kingdom he talks about expansion a lot Yes, and so we need to be part of that okay. so if we're just Helpful. a fortress we're, yep. we're, we're not doing our part of the mission what, what else does Keller say? Um, church is a mirror so if we see the city as we are the city then we just you know we do, the city is us we're the city whatever it says we follow so if you know, like a lot of topical things currently about, you know, um, you mentioned self-identifying or the, the the marriage view of changing in culture now from what it was historically. Yes. Um, the mirror church just says, okay, well, if if you know, if uh, society has redefined marriage, we'll embrace that. Uh, if society has redefined gender, we'll embrace that because you know we're we're progressive. Mm. Hey, I've, I mean, I've been following a little bit of that conversation on social media lately, kind of progressive Christianity and the bleeding in of what the world says into what what kind of has a facade of the Christian church. And it, and it really is satanic. I mean, the truth is that Jesus, in his letters to the seven churches, speaks against exactly those kinds of blended Christianity that you know Laodicea being mm. lukewarm neither hot nor cold I'll spit you out uh, Sardis the the dead city um, uh, it just does seem that 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 the church often is influenced by the city around it rather than being an influencing force in the city in which it is found a, a force which is which is 
which is sanctified and set apart to God and to the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, you're right. Uh, the mm. church, which is just a mirror of the city around it, uh, has lost its saltiness. Mm. Uh, it's useful. It's useless. Uh, it's useful for nothing. I mean, why did Augustine say there's the city of God and the city of man if they're just the same? Oh, you're like <laughs> dropping Augustine uh, on radio. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. Yes. So, so that's the... the well, hey, hey, just, just, just talk about the... the, the, the um, uh, that was uh, it. Was that in Augustine's Confessions? No, two two cities, um, the city of God and the city of man. That's like one of the the greatest. Um, the the, the tale of two cities, Dickens, the city of God. The city of God. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, but in it, he yes, talks, he about, talks the, about the city of God and the, the city of man. Because we're citizens of heaven. Yes. And we need to bring that city culture of heaven to to where we are, not not absorb the culture, the city culture of man. Yes. And it's that worldliness versus purity and holiness. I mean, Christians, if you look like the people around you, smell like the people around you, and act like the people around you, there's something wrong. There, there, there's something broken. We, we're called to be under the leadership, the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that lordship dictates even our behavior. We're to put our faith and our trust in God, and that should change the way that we live. Our, our churches can't just be a reflection of the city around us yeah. um, I mean all the imagery I'm thinking of the metaphoric imagery of the church and like in the salt with meat to preserve the yes, meat yes a city on a yeah, hill yeah. who cannot be hid mm. you know the, the, the idea that we are a light that shines in the midst of darkness yeast if, that rises through the dough exact, lifts the dough yeah, up yeah I mean yeah. if we're just as dark as the world around us if we're just as unleavened or leaven <laughs> as the world around us if we're just as untasty and unsaltified and uh, and unpreserved as the world around us there's something problematic mm. in terms of um, <laughs> what we profess doesn't match what we are living out so helpful so it's true so we mustn't mirror the city but also the third error Keller says is to be a resource taker just use the city uh, and use its resources but just then not engage with it so this is um, this is forgetting that the city is a battleground. We need to fight for the souls in the city, not just take the riches of the city and then go on world missions maybe or just build your big church in the suburbs and not engage the, the whole city. Because mm, mm. unfortunately, uh, Christians as a whole tend to not be evenly uh, distributed in the, in the cities. They tend to be in the suburban areas more so than the city centers. And we need... We need churches in all those areas. So we can't just go to the nice wealthy suburbs, build nice churches there and ignore the inner cities and the people there because everyone needs Christ. Yes. Uh, and I mean, speaking of inner cities, often we're talking in terms of urbanization, those central business districts mm. house, you know, proportionally so many more people course, yeah. uh, than suburbs. Uh, I don't know about your specific tribe, but let me say my tribe in general, and by that I'm extending beyond my narrowest mm -hmm. kind of manifestation of guys that that, that, that I belong to um, m maybe spend all of our time looking at the suburbs in terms of future church plants and, and where we might go uh, and I, I guess Keller would make a case um, and the numbers would make a case for looking again at inner cities at uh, at inner urban hotspots high density areas where people actually live and breathe and live out their lives um, and mm. look at those as opportunities for the for the sake of the cross and for the kingdom of God to plant a banner. <laughs> so and and it's it's got to be done. So just to give you an example, in our our group of churches in the city, so we, we've got one in in Parkhurst, which is a wealthy suburb, but they planted a congregation in Bromfontein, 
because mm-hmm. they wanted to reach the inner city that's strategic next to the universities. But so that's one church and two congregations. Just um, but the, the that's their way of of reaching different elements of the city. Yes. We also we uh, we we planted a church in 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 Tembisa, the township. Yes. Because we want to just recognize it's not we've got to plant in all all areas, not just the comfortable areas to plant, which sure. is the wealthy suburbs, you know. Okay, helpful, helpful. Yeah, and I would also be a derelict to point out derelict, probably not the right word. Um, <laughs> I was going to say destitute, but that's also not the right word. Um, I, I, I must point out that even as we speak about cities in a South African context, we can't leave out the conversation around townships and just mm-hmm. the 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 great opportunities which exist for and the need for Bible teaching churches um, in townships, whether it be Alexander, Tembisa, Daviton, um, uh, Soweto. We need churches, uh, and course, I can yeah. think of single instances of churches, maybe multiple instances of good. Bible teaching churches mm-hmm. in each one of those townships but those townships house hundreds and thousands of people we need we, we need hundreds of churches mm-hmm. we don't just need one or two kind of like lost bastion uh, out, lost outposts kind of mm-hmm. like citadels which are, are you know being embattled we need a we need a movement <laughs> we need a lot of men to have on their heart the salvation of the lost in our land mm-hmm. um, that Christ might be glorified in our midst. Absolutely. Mm. So, so those are three ways you shouldn't view the city. But what Keller then concludes is we must love the city, and that's God's heart. You think with Nineveh, one hundred twenty thousand people is 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 not a big city today at all. It's a, it's a large town, or sure. it's, it's it's a section of a township even. Yeah. So we've got to learn to love the city, and how we do that, we've got to plant churches, but then also just normal Christians every day, not just calling church planters, are saying every every Christian should love the city. Mm. And um, so, he draws on different examples in the Bible. You've got, you've got Nehemiah who who builds a city wall. He's not a church leader, yes. or he's not a you know, he's not a priest. But he he benefit he helps. Oh, he's, the a city. Go- he's a government official. Government official, yeah. 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 And he's there shining his light for God, protecting against those those, those enemies of the people that didn't want Jerusalem walls to be built. Sword up in and, one hand, trowel <laughs> in the other. And and so there's Christians today who need to be government officials. Yes. and shape culture for our city and benefit society, be salt and light in that role, yes. like, like Nehemiah. So in other words, as, as, we, as we've got our heart, as we're setting our heart on the city based on our understanding of God's word, our biblical theology, mm. it, it's changing our affection. We're going, okay, we want to win cities. Mm. As we go about doing that, we need to recognize that it's not just pastors that are going to win cities. It's, it's, not just, it's not just raising up churches. Mm. No, the people that are in our churches, the the pastors, the lawyers, the, the accountants, the um, teachers, the policemen, mm. the nurses, um, those folk, uh, as you go about your Christian life, life you're called about to be raised up and have your city in mind uh, a desire to win your city for christ yeah if we don't like the city we can change it we, we, it magnifies oh, that doesn't mean move to the coast that means <laughs> change the place you're yeah. at <laughs> change the city through engaging with the city loving the city being Nehemiah's. you've also got people like esther who rose up to high positions of influence yes and she used that influence to to uh, to look after the people of god you know, she appealed to the ruler to to not have them be destroyed. I mean, that's Aye, she saved her entire nation. Mm. 
And so we, we need Christians who are in places of influence who can then, like we're hearing this morning, when laws come in that are just persecutory towards Christians, yes. can have ways of challenging this and, and, and representing the Christian voice in, in the high places of society. For sure. Um, you've got people like Ezra, though, who who preached the word to the city. Yes. You know, he was a priest, and he comes, and he recovered the word of God. The, the people of God have forgotten the word of God. They've forgotten the word of God, and he discovers it and teaches it to them. And so we, we still need that. We need yeah. people to, to, to speak God's word to people. You know? Well, well, uh, I mean, when we live in a, in a world where ethics are weak and are eroded on every side, uh, there is a place for pastors now to mm. speak into the ethics of our nation and to, to call folk to repent, to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, that. He might be glorified in their life and that they might live um so so there's a place for ezra's mm. um or for ezra like leaders mm. pastor elder teachers in local churches um to declare the truth of god's word with clarity faithful proclamation of god's word but but at the same time there's also space for nehemiah like leaders mm. and for esther like leaders uh, to rise up at a time like this and you think even like daniel i mean high position of influence and stuff but he also interceded for the city which i love mm. he interceded for his people we need people to pray for the city Yes, and you know, then that uh, passage in Jeremiah, it was build cities, build houses, settled down, and it says, pray for the prosperity of the city, because if it's if it prospers, so to you will, so to you will prosper. It's quite a an incredible verse that God said this. He punished Israelites for their for leaving behind God, and he exiles them to Babylon, but then he sends a prophet to say, now you're in Babylon. This is what I want you to do: seek the prosperity of the city. Yes. Build houses, settle down. Pray. He's praying, but engaging. So he doesn't say nasty Babylon. They're going to turn you away from me. It's yeah, they, they, it's a horrible culture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a complete anti-God culture. Circle then. the wagons. Yeah. But it, he says engage, settle down, build. Just a whole lot of folk have been commenting over the last while. Sorry, guys, that I haven't recognised you as your um, conversations have, have been rolling in. Um, but uh, just to say uh, that. Um, uh, Penny, uh, thanks for your comments. Really appreciate it. Um, she's just recognizing some of the problems and the lack of people to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, Chantel, yes, we need churches in uh, in Tembisa, uh, particularly in the Kirkup area, um, and and certainly motivated there by love for family members. Um, Yonelda um, says, "Freeslik baie dankie." That is my best Afrikaans. I'm actually quite impressed. <laughs> uh, she says, uh, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciating uh, the conversation. Uh, and Penny also just giving a little bit of clarification in terms of the conversation. Um, just in terms of Daniel, I mean, my experience at Crystal Park has been benefited by by the Daniels in the room. Um, and the Daniels, are just in terms of the personification of that mm. character, a person who is praying for the good of the city, um, re really was personified in the lives of a Molly, of a Machi, of an Erica, and of a Ruby, uh, that for many years before I arrived at, at a church, which which was just a handful of people, mm. uh, kind of five people, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, th that church had been praying faithfully that God would raise up a banner and a standard in that in that area. Now, now 
God sent me there, mm. not because I was the answer to prayer, but because I then planted a banner, the gospel mm. um, and biblical teaching and a standard uh, that believers could rally to and that unbelievers could hear the faithful profession of the gospel. Now, God used the prayers mm. of those ladies. Um, at, at one time, as the world looked in on them, they would have looked weak and mm. feeble in their eyes. And yet in God's eyes, uh, he saw something that was worthy of being honored mm. um, and answered <laughs> um, gloriously. Uh, the church has grown and has established mm. and, and by all accounts is now strong and, you know, God willing, looking at our friends down the road who are planting churches going, why aren't we doing that yet? <laughs> and, and, and if God wills, we'll get there. But, uh, but my point is God uses the prayers of mm. his saints. And, and so God uses the actions of his saints, the prayers mm. of his saints and the faithful proclamation of his word um, to ultimately glorify himself, even in the cities that we live. Yeah, and, and everyone has a role. That's what I like about this. It's not, yes. a, it's not a call to say Brilliant. church planters. We do need church planters, but we need prayers. Yes. So even your story is incredible because those people were praying to, to for the church to revitalize, and God in his sovereignty, he knew that he had you on his mind. And you were, you were far from God. You were working in IT, doing very well, living a, you know, a hedonistic lifestyle in many ways, and and God got hold of you, yeah, and made you a church planter or a church revitalizer, yeah, and brought you to that church in response to prayers. Yeah, God, God is good, mm. um, and 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 He is working out all things according to uh, the good and for ultimately His glory. I, I mean, He does sometimes use even the weakest instruments to achieve the most remarkable things. Um, yeah. he, he's just amazing like that. Um, and so I, I guess as we as we approach our cities, we might live in a city which is struggling in all mm. manner of areas. I, I think of education uh, in the city where where, where I live. I, I think of um, you know the the problems around food um, security. I, I think of crime. Mm. I think of you know just basic infrastructure and service delivery. I, I mean the cities that we live might be facing all kinds of problems. And yet, God uses his saints even to turn cities around. And by turning cities around, I'm, I'm not talking about better refuge removal, um, you know, better schools and, 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 and tastier food. I'm talking about the salvation of the lost that ultimately leads to, to change which is out of this world. I mean, if you just look at uh, in England, so my home nation where I grew up and, you know, we were on the verge and yeah of I thought you had a Karoo accent <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were on the verge of um, what happened in France which was an overthrow of the government and yeah. a republic was formed and everything and they said the same would have happened for England the historians say the secular historians say this if it wasn't for the, the great Wesleyan revival yes and and it, in reality it was only about 20,000 people came to faith I think that was the stats yeah but it was I mean England was a lot smaller than back then but the influence on changing the culture was yeah. huge because they, they, Wesley went on the horse evangelizing everywhere, <laughs> and uh, and it, and just it just gives you hope that no matter how bad things are, yes. things can change if God gets hold of a few people and change things. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think of the hundred and fifty-five thousand. What was the number? Eight hundred and seventy-three. I think I'm being a little bit seven hundred and seventy-seven. Uh, hundred and fifty-five. Hundred and fifty-eight thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven souls in the city of Benoni, and the need to reach 
thousands upon thousands of more people with the gospel mm -hmm. uh, the need for people to be Daniels and praying the need for people to be Nehemiah's mm -hmm. and, and exercise influence the need ultimately for for Esther's to exercise influence and for mm -hmm. Ezra's to preach the gospel mm -hmm. uh, we need all of those things to come together God's people to do God's work in God's way but really we we need we need God to to move our hearts, and we need to do all those things. So yeah. we need to be people who get old, get on the the parent teachers association, on the governance of schools. We want to be people that are, are, are get involved in local government, and or the people that just joining social clubs and engaging. To love the city means to engage the city, and then. But it's not just that. We need to pray for the city, as you say, and not just um, be involved, but actually seek to influence for the gospel. So it's we can do all sorts of things. God needs all sorts of people to reach people in cities. Well, Andrew, it has been a really interesting conversation. I, I really enjoyed just the the kind of working out of the biblical theology uh, around the city. I, I enjoyed the conversations of how we as individuals can get involved in the cities. I do recognize that that we do need to be prayers. Uh, I mean, we really need to pray that that God, His compassion, might be manifest, mm -hmm. and 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 men and women might be saved in the cities in which we live. Um, but we also need to be responsible um, with what God has given us. That uh, we need to reach out to our family and to our friends and to our co-workers with the gospel. Um, we we need to be inviting folk to church, and we need to be proclaiming Jesus Christ at every opportunity that we get um, as churches we, we do we need to be focused on the area that God has placed us that God might be glorified in and through us that we might be cities on a hill whose light cannot be hid um, all of this really comes uh, as God moves in the heart of his people and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to to great things happening in the city that we serve together with other good churches mm. um, where we serve that uh, that God might be glorified in and through us in staggering ways uh, even in our lifetime <laughs> that we might see revival in Benoni yeah they, what I'd love to have charged against me and you and others is what the 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 Jewish leaders said to um, the disciples, "Is you filled Jerusalem with with as they, teaching? As they ripping their coats? <laughs> you you know? filled Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. I want to fill Jerusalem with the teaching of Jesus. Praise the Lord, or, or Benoni, or wherever you live. Yeah. Well, friends, as you are listening in uh, today, our prayers need to go out to our elders and deacons who hold the line in our local churches." as well as our missionaries serving in foreign fields. We need to pray for and give much respect to the first responders, the police, and all those who dispense justice, firefighters, paramedics, um, our nation's nurses and medical personnel, as well as correctional facility officers uh, in our cities. We pray for that every single week, and I would commend them to your prayers even this week. You've been listening to Table Talk with me, your host, Mark. We're going to be going to news shortly, so until next week, Friday, go with God and get after it. <laughs>